The CFOs that get it, get it. The CFOs that don't, don't. Let's talk about the CFO, the Chief Financial Officer. There are two kinds of CFOs. One who's struggling to keep up, spreadsheets everywhere, manual processes. It takes weeks to close the books. The other kind is on top of their game. Automated reports, inventory, commerce, and HR flow into the financial model seamlessly. NetSuite is everything you need to grow all in one place. That's why NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system used by over 28,000 growing businesses. 93% of businesses increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Head to netsuite.com slash c-suite for a special one-of-a-kind financing offer. That's netsuite.com slash c-suite. netsuite.com slash c-suite. Get the inside track on 20 top business trends for 2020 from Joe Block. Joel's insights bring Wall Street to your street so you can profit from the inside in 2020. Just text the word TREND to 7200. That's 72000 and download your free copy today. Grab your phone and get the inside track on business trends that affect you and your business. Just text the word TREND to 7200 for your copy now. This is Profit from the Inside with Joel Block. Insights to give your business the inside track. And now, here's your host, Joel Block. Do you ever wonder how it is that some businesses have just the most spectacular relationship with their customers, how their customers come back over and over again, and how they get a steady stream of referrals from those same people? To discuss that and to help us to do better in this area, Peter Stark. Peter, how are you, man? Nice to nice to have you. Joel, I am doing absolutely awesome. I'm glad to be with you on this podcast. How is the weather in San Diego, man? Are you looking at the ocean or what? You know what? Actually, I'm looking at the mountains overlooking northern San Diego, um, but the weather here almost all year round is pretty much perfect. I, I moved from Los Angeles or a town called Glendale, about 40 years ago uh, to go to San Diego State, and I have never left San Diego. And sometimes you make lucky decisions, and sometimes you make smart decisions, but I was lucky to go to San Diego State, and I was lucky that I never left, and eventually it became a smart decision, but I feel blessed to live here. Hey, well, listen, sometimes it's lucky to be smart. I think you're a guy who's lucky to be smart. There you go. Oh, no. You know what? You just keep batting and keep trying. There you go. All right, well, listen, so... You know, it's kind of obvious that, you know, better relationships with better with people is going to, you know, turn into something good. I mean, that's kind of a a no brainer, but you kind of bring a different angle to this. So tell us, tell us what you're thinking about. Give us the inside track on this whole topic. Okay. So my background is for nine years, I owned a commercial printing company and I had 23 employees and sales about $3 million. And I spent every single day um, of those nine years marketing myself. Um, trying to get a new customer and trying to grow the business. In that printing industry, there was like 650 competitors. Any one of them would sell their mother for a quarter if that's what it took to steal your business. But you had two influencers that made it a difficult business. One was the competition, um, and two was that the industry was rapidly changing, meaning that the only thing you could predict about the printing industry is that every day, 
there's going to be a little bit less to print with the advent of the Apple and the Macintosh and the whole way that that printing and typesetting was being done. On year seven, I woke up one day and I said, I hate my job. And I had been teaching at San Diego State in their certificate of management and their certificate of leadership, certificate of sales program. I loved that job. And everybody I was teaching was in business. And those leaders started to bring me into their companies. So I went through a buy-sell agreement. It took me two years to execute with my business partner. I'm very proud today that I'm still good friends with him because a business partnership that has like all of the problems of a marriage and not one of the benefits. Of the <laughs> and he and I ended up being great friends. He ended up uh, continuing to run the company. But when I started this consulting firm, I just had one goal. And that goal was I wanted to build really strong relationships where I exceeded expectations and I could build those relationships for a lifetime. So your consulting firm is not a consulting firm on how to build relationships. Is that, is that, that right? is absolutely correct. So, so what we're talking about is really the secret that you've used to build a successful consulting firm on a different topic. Exactly. And okay, so, so my firm today is a management consulting firm and we do a lot of employee engagement surveys. Um, I do a lot of executive coaching and advisory work. We do a lot of leadership 360s. I do a lot of team building on executive teams but all of my focus is related on the people side of the business. And I work with really diverse companies from hospitals to some of the major technology and uh, software companies in the world. So let's talk about how you create these relationships. And let's start right at the beginning. You know, when you meet somebody new, how do you court them? How does it turn into something substantial? So I'm going to actually give you an, yesterday's example. Is <laughs> Yesterday, a client called me that I had worked with probably 15 years ago and her opening line was, do you remember me? You know, absolutely remember me. She said, you know what? I'm working for a healthcare organization now. We have about 80 leaders that we need to do some leadership training for. And so what I think makes me different is most people in my business, the speaking business, the consulting business, they would listen to this woman. It's a done deal. Tell us what you need and I'll go package it and deliver it. And I said to her, I said, I need you to know that the way I approach this is the way I did it 15 years ago with you. I'm going to do an assessment to talk to the people who are actually going to be into the training so I can figure out what they see as the leadership strengths, what they see as the leadership opportunities or challenges. And then based on that assessment, I'm going to customize my program for you. And so that is different than most consultants, and it's different than most speakers is by doing that assessment, I'm going to find out all sorts of things about the organization. I'm going to be able to customize, in this case, the speech or the leadership training. But most importantly, I'm going to find out what the next logical steps are, that if they're truly serious about improving their culture, and this organization has tremendous cultural problems right now in keeping their employees, their providers or physicians, and their medical assistants and their RNs, is I want to get to the bottom of that. So I can, one, do the training because she has a specific day in mind. She wants to do training. But I'm going to come up with five other things that I could do to help that organization build their reputation as a place where employees love to come to work. Okay, so that's your core business. But how do you leverage that into uh, the relationship development that you're talking about right now? Yeah, two things happen. Number one is they realize, one, that I care about them. Okay, by doing this work in terms of truly understanding their organization and truly connecting it to their goals, 
they know this. I truly care about their success, both personally and professionally, and helping them be successful. And two is I'm going to know the organization better than most people. And so the care is a piece. The knowledge of the organization is a piece. But people, when you have success, really do say this. The next time they need help or resolving a people-related challenge or problem, they do say this. Go get Peter. And that's really what my goal is, is a lot of people in the marketplace saying, get Peter. So, all right, so there's a lot of factors that create a good relationship. And in a certain way, this is just so basic. But sometimes common sense is not common practice. And so once in a while, it's not a bad idea to go back to the basics here. So one is, is you're really good at what you do. And, and, and I call that, you know, uh, that, that money follows expertise, that the better you are at something, the more you get paid. And you really should only be doing things that you're really great at. In fact, one of the other things that I say is, uh, you know, charge a lot for what you're good at and give everything else away for free. And that'll force you to stop doing stuff that you're only mediocre at. So all those things. So number one, you're really good at what you do. You do a really good job. They appreciate it. Uh, but those are kind of table stakes. I mean, in a certain way, people kind of expect that's a minimum uh, standard when you say, or, or is that extraordinary in your, in your business? I don't think it is the standard in our business or any business. I think a lot of people have an expertise or have a service or product they provide. And when the customer asked for it, they're really good at providing it. But what I've always viewed, what I do is I'm like a really great doctor. And I, I got this idea. I was interviewing a leader, a physician who was responsible for 3,500 other physicians. And I asked him, how did you get to be like one of the top 10 rated by U.S. News and World Report as one of the top oncologists in the world? And he said to me, I ask better questions and I ask a lot more of them. And so it was good for me to hear that because I was working with him as an advisor and a coach and he was really struggling as a leader. And I said, so let me put it in leadership terms, but I'll connect it to medical is you commit malpractice like on a daily basis because on the leadership side, you don't ask questions. And so what I think makes me different, and it doesn't matter whether I was selling printing or selling consulting services or selling a product, is I think I ask better questions and a lot more of them to better understand the individual, to better understand what their goals are. And then I'm going to write a prescription that I think is 100% on target where somebody else may have given them a prescription that probably wasn't as targeted as mine because they didn't have the same information that I do. Peter, where do you think this comes from? Is this uh, just a source of pride for you to be good at what you do? You know, what is it about other people that perform at a lower level? I mean, are you, are you, I mean, on the one hand, I want to compliment you. I know you're sharp. I, I know you're very good at what you do, but other people are also good at what they do, but they still, they don't end up with the kinds of relationships that you do. Uh, so yeah, it, where does it come from? Yeah, for me, um, the value is in the diagnosis and the prescription. So actually who delivers the product, and this is going to sound funny, the speech is not as important to me as what I call getting involved with the client and building a relationship that truly is able to understand their goals, their issues, their challenges, and then write the right prescription. So sometimes I'll say this, whether you use me or not, and then I'll give them a piece of value, which a lot of times says, you know what, I talked to him and I actually got a lot for free, which is what you made mention of. 
And if I got that much for free, I think that I could really build on this relationship. So I don't think it is common sense. And especially in the industry where you come from or I come from in that speaking industry or consulting industry, I don't think it is commonplace. I think there's a lot of people dying to get a gig or get a speech. And so therefore, if somebody says, hey, do you do motivation? Do you do diversity? People are really quick to say, absolutely, I can do that and I can help with that. What are your goals? Well, that's and the problem. That's the problem. The whole consulting business. That is the problem. I can, I can do that. I can do that. I can do that. You know who's great about this? Attorneys. Attorneys tend to be really good at turning down what's not in their wheelhouse. Yeah. But, you know, accountants, they'll take anything. Consultants will take anything. I mean, I mean, that's my experience is that people just will say yes frequently to the wrong things. And then they end up taking the client down somewhere that really, listen, I was on the phone this morning with a guy. Uh, he hired an attorney firm to build him a fund. They built him a fine fund. Everything legally was probably just right, but they missed all the big business issues. They just didn't nail down the issues that really mattered to the guy and his business because they, they overstepped their boundaries. They just didn't know uh, how to analyze, do the diagnosis part that you're talking about. They're just not sensitive to the issues that really mattered to the guy and they didn't get it right. Right. So, in my business or industry, I actually will not do just a speech. If I'm not going to do the assessment and there is no future beyond the speech, I have no desire for that relationship because that is a transformational relationship of which there's no future. I used an example is uh, recently I spoke for a very large association. I had done the assessment for the economic buyer by doing the interviews with people and found out, you know, here's what I'm going to do for this year for your presentation. And I actually have a recommendation for next year's conference, if this makes sense. And when he read the assessment, he goes, it makes perfect sense. And I'm really excited that we got this actually prepared two years out. But here's the neat thing. If I had not done that assessment, I need you to know I spoke from nine until noon. At noon, when I finished, I did a really great job and good humorous story for the ending. The place vanished at noon, including my economic buyer, gone. And you ask why? They're all racing for the airport because the weather screwed up in Orlando. And as I didn't have that assessment and that relationship of what this looks like a year out or two years out, I'm going to tell you, it would be really hard to call that person and say, hey, you know what? I got an idea for next year, but I have no basis of this. I think it would work really well. I had it all logically laid out. So I, unless I'm going to do the assessment piece, which is what I call kind of going through the strategy door versus the product or service door, if they're not going to go through that strategy door and my, my mind door, then I'm not going to have that relationship because that's what builds a long-term relationship when you know your clients better than other people in your field. Well, that, that's a big one. So knowing, knowing the client better than other people and, and other advisors that they might call on, right. because that, uh, I, I guess that level of trust. I mean, one of the things that I notice about being in a position of trust with clients all the time is that they don't want to reveal all this important information a second time. So when you, when you're working with somebody, I mean, if you're, if you're very good, they're going to want to keep working with you. Right. I mean, I mean, unfortunately, if you're mediocre, they're going to be okay with working with you going forward because they just don't want the, the inconvenience and the disruption of changing to somebody else. That's why accountants keep clients for 20 years. It's not that they all do a great job. 
It's that the inconvenience of changing accountants is just so painful. Yeah, I, I actually lived that one. I had an accountant for 25 years. And finally, I got the guts to switch it. And I'm going to tell you that over the last probably four years now, it's been one of the greatest decisions I've ever made in my life was having the guts to finally. I, I had a mediocre accountant who gave me mediocre service um, and got really comfortable charging big rates. It's just like that's hard to maintain a lifetime relationship. And it's but it's but it's painful. It's a painful change. So um, so we're talking about, you know, ways of getting clients to be loyal. And I don't care if you're selling products or services or whatever it is. Uh, so you got to do a great job. You have to understand their needs better than other people. You have to be there for them. I mean, these are, these are kind of, you know, common sense things that we just forget. Uh, what other kinds of things do you do that engender those kinds of relationships? So another thing that I do is once a week, I send out what I call 10. I was just thinking of your emails. And those emails for me is always, hey, you know what, Joel, I just wanted to let you know I was thinking about your day. I wanted to check in and ask how you were doing and how is the team doing. When you get a moment, give me a quick update. And I have those saved as quick parts in Outlook where I can send out 10 of those emails in a minute. And I do that. And every time I do that, it usually generates something where a client will say, hey, I actually need to talk to you about something, which is going to continue that relationship. But to, to build a relationship that's lifelong, you can't just wait until you hope they think about you. You've got to be reaching out and be genuine in that process. So how, how often do you send those? Every week? I said 10 a week to clients I've worked with. Wait, so 10, 10 a week. So, you know, but you have a lot more than 10 clients. So how many, how many, how long does it take before somebody sees that email again? Oh, it could be six months. It could be three months, depending on what the severity of their. So they're seeing, they're hearing from you at least every couple of months. Yep, absolutely. At least so a handful of times a year, yeah. just touching base, saying hello, you know, just thinking, wondering how you're doing and so forth. Yep. So, and if I send out 10 of those, one of those almost always is going to generate something in the way of business. Do you uh, only use email? You use text? I mean, because a lot of different people like different media these days. Hey, I, I'm old school, Joel, and I'm going to tell you this. I hate text. And I'll tell you why I hate text is because I cannot save them. Okay. I cannot save them as new that this is an action item required. And so you were in communication with me and setting up this podcast. Every email I send out, my executive assistant, Marilyn, is also copied on. She's been with me 20 years and she runs my life. I promise I'm going to give you extraordinary service if she's involved. And so when people just try and bypass her and send me a text, I'm telling you, it's a 50-50 shot on service. <laughs> if I don't open the text and read it, and I'm not doing it until I'm sitting at my desk, I'm really good. If I open it like in a plane or an airport or something like that, um, I hate to say it, I'm screwed. Because I better have some other system, like I pick up my uh, email and go into Outlook and email myself that I need to contact Joel about X, Y, and Z. Um, because it came on a text. So this, that's first thing. Second thing, I'm going to tell you this. I do have a social presence. I'm on Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn. I do a blog every other week. I used to do a blog every week. And then we said, we're going to move it to every other week to see if there's any difference in the interaction. There's not. And so I do all that. And I have somebody who helps me with all that social media. And I'm going to tell you this about my market. In terms of CEOs or executive VPs of HR, those are my two really big economic buyers. Most of them are not hiring a consultant off of Facebook. Most of them are not offer, um, hiring a consultant 
off of LinkedIn. They may see something you've written and they will comment or they will connect with you. But in my business, you mentioned the word earlier in this podcast, it's a really high trust business. If people are hiring you for your expertise on creating a fund, that is a huge high trust business. And so therefore, most times people aren't just finding it off the internet and saying, I'm going to go spend a lot of money with this person. Most of them want a peer-to-peer references. So CEO of a bank or credit union gets a referral to a CEO of a bank or credit union. I've got about a hundred percent shot of turning that into business. Yeah, listen, and that's uh, me too. I mean, my, I'm, I'm with you on that. So, a couple different things. One is that um, I'll have to remember to send you more emails and less texts. That's number one. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're going to do much better together. Yeah, we're going to do better. Um, but the second thing is that you know, in in the old days when we were young, uh, there was two things. There was telephone. Yep. And there was mail, regular yep. United States mail. Those are the your two choices that you had uh, from the 70s and before. Right. You probably like pagers, too. Uh, pagers came in the 80s. So that was later, you know. But uh, yeah, and, and I was kind of into pagers and I, I liked a lot to try a lot of this new stuff. And I did a deal with Skytel and some of these companies that did yep. that sort of thing. Yeah. But, you know, but now that we have 100 different choices, you sort of have to ask each person what they like and how they like it. Like, so you've got kind of an old system where you have an assistant. A lot of people, even executives, don't have assistants anymore right. to help them with things. They, they handle a lot of this stuff by themselves, and they figure out uh, systems for doing these things. So I, I would just caution listeners that they need to ask their people, how do you want me to communicate with you? Do you, do you like email? Do you like text? You know, what, what works for you? I had somebody say, right, well, let's do, let's do a WhatsApp or a FaceTime or a this or that. Uh, some people like to call on uh, Facebook Messenger. I mean, there's just so many different ways. So that's that's kind of a, a complicated thing. And uh, you have to ask. I mean, that's that's all there is to it. It's kind of funny. Even with my kids, I have a 29-year-old, and he is stationed in the Navy in Italy. He and I will do uh, FaceTime on Messenger. I have a 25-year-old who's really into text, and I've got an 18-year-old who absolutely won't even return text anymore. It used to be like the text was like, <laughs> now it's like Snapchat. And so it's like, please just return my text. I know you don't read my emails. I'm really clear on that. But if you could just return a text, um, that would really help me out. So I do tell my clients this. If you need me right away, text me, and I'll get right back to you. But if it's about scheduling a time to talk, I need you to help me. And you mentioned about the executive system, Joel. And I, I will go my entire life, and I will have an executive system. I want to tell you why I love to be well taken care of. I don't want to worry about travel. I don't want to worry about booking an appointment. I want to be focused on creating content, and that's where I spend my extra time. And so it's one I feel so blessed um, to you know created a firm, and, and I have two employees who've been with me over twenty years, one close to five years. Uh, I'm I'm blessed, and I like being well taken care of. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm, listen, I'm not disagreeing. I'm just saying that a lot of executive people don't totally have that situation anymore, even in large companies. Yep. Companies are not affording them the luxury of that level of assistance. So you just have to ask people. The second thing that you said uh, is that you don't advertise on uh, you know, Facebook and all these different platforms because the level of the service you provide, those people are not responding that way. Now, I also operate at a very high level, but I have figured out a lot of ways to get those platforms to produce very well. And, and we can talk about that at another time. But for you, because what you just said was that when you get a referral, 
Now, it's a 100% lay down deal. For me too, by the way, when I get a referral and I get a lot of referrals, what I want to know from you is how do you tee up somebody to make a referral? How do you organize that? How do you get them to think of you when the time comes or, you know, whatever it is? How, how does that process work? Is it deliberate or does it just happen? I don't do anything different, uh, deliberate. I don't go to a client and say, I'm really looking for referrals. If you could, you know, know of anybody in your type of industry, that would be really helpful to me. What I do have is in the credit union and the banking world, I have CEOs who do go to CEO roundtables and will talk about me to that group of CEOs. And I always say this, I am so grateful for every opportunity. And I just want to say thank you. So I do try to recognize and reward the CEOs who do refer me to others, but I am not a person who says, you know what, you know, midway through the project or three quarters of the way through the project, you know what, if you do know others like you, I hope that you would refer me. I'm always grateful for every opportunity. I do not do that. I will tell you that 99% of my new business comes out of referrals. It's been like that for 25 years. And I don't do anything active. Um, I will tell you this. There's two ways I generate it. One is referrals. And two of them is that I just want to let you know I was thinking about you today. That also, if I was ever down when I look out three months or six months, I know it's time for, I was thinking about you emails. And those do make a difference. Yeah, you know, I, I think that the, uh, the level of service that you're providing probably speaks for itself. And that probably has a lot to do with your level of success. I, I would agree with that. I, I really do go out of the way um, to do extraordinary work and also to build a great relationship where they really know I do care about their success. And I think that combination makes a difference. I really believe um, that in terms of growing a business, you know, part of it is showing up and doing what you say you're going to do. And a lot of people do that. The biggest piece is how do I exceed expectations where people truly know you care that much to go out of your way to help them be successful. Uh, I, I owned a boat for all of my adult life. And the last one I owned, I helped for 10 years. And there was this huge joke in the boating industry. If you call a boat mechanic and he returns the call, like that you're on to somebody right there in the industry. Now, if they return <laughs> the call and they actually show up when they said they're going to show up, like that's like unheard of in the boating industry. And then the last time I was on the boat, somebody said, I got to add a third one. If they show up when they said they're going to show up and they're sober, that's primo. In this <laughs> well, so. hopefully, uh, hopefully as, as business advisors, we can do better than that, you know, but uh, it's a kind of a low bar when you say. It, it is a low bar, but I'm going to also tell you this, Joel, in our industry of the consulting and providing advice, I can't tell you how many people in our industry I've talked about the assessment work I've done and they've said this, I don't want to work that hard. That's fine. But it's, I, I'm, I'm grateful to hear that because it just opens up a huge door because there's less traffic in the extra mile. Yeah. Well, I think there's a lot of factors here. One, um, to be a really good consultant and, and, and I've been around a lot of guys most of them are not really good consultants. To be a really good advisor, you have to have really spent some time in the shoes of the people that you're advising. I mean, you have to really understand their business, their life, their world, uh, the kinds of things that they're dealing with. Uh, I was advising somebody this morning, the guy's setting up a venture capital company. He's taking on a partner. 
And I mean, I've been down this path 50 times in my career. I mean, I was able to tell them, make sure you do this and this, and here's how you structure your, you may create a vesting schedule. Think about the way you price your shares. And, and there were these things that he just hadn't considered because uh, it's been my life for such a long time. And, and it's a very complicated world. And that makes for great advisors when you've been in their, in their shoes in some capacity. So maybe not the exact shoes, but even a business owner dealing with complicated issues for a long time. And that really helps. Yeah. And I'm 61 years old this year and I can do things today that I don't think I could have done 20 years ago, 15 years ago. And one of my great lines is this, um, here's what my advice or my recommendation is for you. And sometimes it's this, you need to let that person go. And then I add this, if you decide not to, I need you to know it's going to be really good for my business but it probably won't be good for your business. <laughs> and I have a bunch of those types of projects where this is what I would do if I was in the shoes. But if you say you can't do that or you don't want to do that, um, it's not going to be good for you or the organization long-term, but it'll be really healthy for my business. You know, I got to, uh, I got to remember that. That's a great line. So yeah, you can take well, my advice, but if you don't, it's going to be good. You're going to need me. Yeah. So listen, let's start to wrap up here. Yep. Uh, why don't you summarize some of the things, uh, you know, that just, if there's anything else that, that you do to create great client relationships, I mean, listen, delivering great service, being on time, being, uh, you know, whatever the things are you said are all awesome, but, but really at the end of the day, being in their shoes, understanding their problem better than other people, analyzing their situation better than other people, uh, you know, anything else that, uh, that really makes a big difference. I'm going to add one more and there'd be a ton of people who can also say this. I think I'm very confident about what I do and I think people buy confidence, but the second one, I got a great sense of humor and I actually think people think it's fun working with me. And so I think that when people trust you and it's also fun working with you, I think you got a good ground for a lifelong relationship. I do know this. I, at this point in my career, I don't want to work with assets. I don't want to work with difficult people who don't value what you do. I want to work with people who do have a sense of humor and do want to do the right thing. And well, listen, I'll tell you, and, and there's another step. It's not just uh, nice people. I want to work with nice people, good people, and the same as you. And, and by the way, you do have a great sense of humor, especially over a scotch. <laughs> it's a little more fun. But I'll tell you the other thing is I, I want to work with people who really are interested in what I have to say and, yep. you know, not be forced into some situation where they're, they're just, you know, they don't want to do it. Uh, I want people that are going to, that are going to listen. Now that doesn't mean they're going to listen verbatim because, uh, you know, as advisors, we give advice, not directions, uh, you know, directors give directions. That's a totally different level. Right. So Joel, you just said something I think needs to be highlighted for the end of this podcast. And what you said is this, is that when you do get a referral, you have a lot higher chance of having what you say be highly valued. When you are marketing and begging for someone to buy your product or service, it is much more difficult to be in that highly valued situation. And part of it is you're looking for work and people can smell that you're looking for work. In your particular business, um, teaching people how to set up funds and like, you've got a bunch of people who are seeking your advice. You don't need a person who is like, I don't have really time or value for what you say. Bam, gone. I'm on to the next one because I got a lot of people who have been referred to me and that's highly valued. It's a very different relationship than trying to market yourself into a relationship. 
Absolutely. I, I thoroughly agree. Well, listen, Peter, thank you very much for, for sharing. These are all great thoughts. This is, um, in a certain way, it's, uh, again, I, I don't mean to be insulting about it, but it's basic. I mean, these are basic principles in business about being good at what you do, delivering highly competent, high value work. I mean, and it's kind of a shame to hear that so many people don't operate at that level. So congratulations and kudos to you for operating at, at the highest level that an advisor can operate at. Thank you. Very well. Hey, listen, thanks very much for being on the show. Thank you. Have a great day. You've been listening to Profit from the Inside with Joel Block. For more insights and to learn more, visit joelblock.com. How about a shout out and a giant thanks to my podcast producer, David Wolf, and his team at Podcast and Radio Networks. Profit from the inside simply wouldn't be what it is without David and his team. For more information or to learn how you can launch and produce your own podcast, reach out to podcastandradio.com. Get the inside track on 20 top business trends for 2020 from Joe Block. Joel's insights bring Wall Street to your street so you can profit from the inside in 2020. Just text the word TREND to 72000. That's 72000 and download your free copy today. Grab your phone and get the inside track on business trends that affect you and your business. Just text the word TREND to 72000 for your copy now. Produced by Audavita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.